Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Welcome to the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. In this episode, getting back to some stock up, stock down updates in the world of college football and for the 2023 NFL Draft. Connor and I are going to bring you a handful of guys that we watched from this past weekend or maybe the last couple of weekends that we want to bring to the table. Make sure you guys know if you haven't watched them yet, if you haven't really sat down to get to know these players, they could be making some noise in the draft. It's not just guys that are going to be in the first round either. We're trying to make sure that we get through the meat and cheese of the draft class. Some of the guys who are going to be round two, round three picks, maybe those guys are going to be mid-round picks, players that are going to fill out your NFL team and Guys that we know you might be some fan favorites of. I'm Trevor Sikama. With me, as always, is Connor Rogers. Let's ring that bell. Welcome to the opening bell of the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. I'm Trevor Sikama. That is Connor Rogers joining you guys on a Tuesday edition of the pod, which means it's time for a little stock watch update. We're talking stock up, stock down for some prospects around college football following week three. Technically, it's week four because week zero counts, but week three is what we are coming off of. Some guys that we get to evaluate some of their performances here in the early parts of the season. Connor, how are we feeling today, my friend? Good. Favorite show of the week. Still. Favorite love show, baby. Sh- love this show. I-, I love that when I get to dive into, I know it's the same for you, Trevor, get into uh, to dive into the college tape on that point of monday it's kind of like the storm has passed right it's (laughs) you know saturday all the games are on you don't do your stock watch just from watching the games here there can help it's a nice foundation but the tape always tells all sunday the nfl storm is just absolute mayhem you and i record into the wee hours of the night to do the recap and if you're not listening to that every monday morning you have a recap or what's most important from every game Monday's really crazy, and then in the afternoon you get to sit down and watch tape and do the stock up, stock down, and we do this show, and it's like, okay, I can breathe now, I'm caught up on the draft. The draft is a uh, a slow burn for us, like we, sure. we obviously yeah. really dive in the summer, but we're, we're just like little bits and scoops here and there right now before december it's going to be full throttle so this is this is a really nice time no we're obviously trying to keep the the draft element of the show because as you yeah. guys know it's a draft podcast at heart but we're like everybody else right we we love nfl football we love the fact that it's back we want to talk about it as much as possible so in the first couple of months of the season obviously there's a lot more nfl talking um the percentages will switch a little bit more towards draft talk once we get into the appropriate time to do some mock drafts to update the big boards all of that but you know you mentioned it on saturday is what i do is i'll watch the games and i'll write down names you know i'll write down names of players that are 
in highlights when I'm watching these games and I'm flipping back and forth, or if I've got multiple screens, guys who are just popping out. And then on Monday is really when I get to go back and check out these guys on some all 22 and kind of confirm either the highlights were sporadic or whether they were a telling tale of a fantastic game that they had all around. So we'll give you a handful of stock up guys as we have every Tuesday this week. Connor, I'll start with you. Who do you want to bring to the table as somebody that caught your eye in college football from an NFL draft perspective this week? I'll start with somebody that has earned it for three weeks of performances, and I'll sneak that in time to time. My other two guys today are true, just like, this is what I saw this weekend. Wow, amazing performances. This guy, it's all three games, and honestly, I searched his name on my handle before doing this because I was like, I thought I watched him in could have declared last year and it's uh, Zachary Franklin the wide receiver uh from UTSA and and I did I remember last September watching him he had really stood out and he returned to school which is probably a good move as a junior there's no rush to come out but on the season right now Trevor he has 26 catches for 306 yards three touchdowns and when you hear UTSA you go okay like he's averaging over you know over 100 yards a game but who has he played against and he's played against houston army and texas mm-hmm. so he's seen fine programs fine defenses he's got juice he's got wiggle they use him in the middle of the field a lot he's a slender kind of guy he looks like he's about six feet tall plays around 180 pounds um and i just think he knows how to get open they use him underneath a lot but he caught a long ball against texas where the tracking was really really impressive so this is somebody that I've had my eye on for the draft for going back to the 2022 class. And, you know, I, I, I wasn't assumed that he would declare when you have a guy coming down to UTSA that might want that extra year. But now I've had my eye on him for this is the second year. And I just love the juice he plays with before, without the ball, and after the catch with the ball in this offense. They know how to deliver to him at all three levels of the field. And he's somebody that if you're looking for one of those round three to five kind of wide receivers, this guy is going to be in the mix. Well, I'm one of those people that you are educating right now because I have not been able to, I have not studied him. You're forgiven for not watching UTSA. Okay, thank you. I appreciate it. (laughs) And you, I'm curious how much you watched him last year just because like, was there, when you watched him last year, were you kind of like, yeah, this guy needs another year. He should probably stay in school. Or do you remember what your thoughts were? over? Him yeah. So I, I just put, cause you, you forget. And I, I didn't go back to my, do- I, so when I do my player docs, mm-hmm. if a guy goes back to school, I just delete him from the doc. And because I, I don't want the clutter and all that. So it's not even like I can refer back to my notes in my 2022 doc. If I was a very organized, much more intelligent human, I would transfer everything to the next year's doc and get ahead. But I don't always do that, especially for guys that aren't at like these crazy programs. So, but the t- I do have the tweet. And what the tweet was, was that I was impressed with him. It was September 8th, 2021. Converted multiple third and longs in a win against Illinois. And that was the first time where I was like, man, third down, this guy is in one-on-ones against man coverage, and he is just constantly finding ways to gain separation uh, on the middle of the field, on the outside of the field. Um, And I saw that. So it popped to me when I watched him against Texas this week. I was like, I remember Franklin, and I remember that he was somebody going back to school that could shine again this year. And he's just somebody that moves the chain so consistently. And I really do like, I don't want to be the guy that's always like, play him in the slot, play him in the slot. Like, he, to me, is a true slot option because of that wiggle, the two-way go, he the, catch, the secure the catch and get up field kind of movement. So 
I really like him, and I think that nobody, he hasn't really, you know, nobody's really talked about him last year, and I haven't seen a ton of shine from this year, but to put up those kind of numbers now against Houston, Army, and Texas, everybody's going to be on him pretty soon. All right, I'll stick with wide receiver for my first stock up. I'll go down to Florida State. I want to talk about Johnny Wilson. Johnny Wilson put on an absolute show this weekend as uh, as Florida State defeated Louisville. He's a, he's a third-year player. I, I don't know if he's a, technically a redshirt sophomore or a junior. It doesn't really matter. He's draft eligible. But with the COVID year, I can never tell with players because it used to be even more organized on schools' websites. Like, oh, this is clearly a redshirt year. And now it's like, okay, is he taking the redshirt year for COVID or is he not? So they don't really specify either way third-year player, so he is draft eligible, but he's still new, especially to really standing out the way that he did this past weekend. He had seven catches, 149 yards, and two touchdowns in a massive game for them. Now, it wasn't always at Florida State. This was a transfer player from Arizona State, spent the first two years um, with Arizona State. Entering that Louisville game, which was career highs for him in a lot of different categories, Wilson had just 18 receptions for 253 yards and a touchdown across both of his seasons with the Sun Devils. So he just was not being utilized for whatever reason. I'm not sure if it was coaching staff or um, if he felt like he just couldn't crack the depth chart. Reason why he moved on from Florida State, clearly because the opportunity was there for him to really stand out. And the dude absolutely does. I probably should have mentioned this at the very top when I introed him, but six foot six, 235 pounds. That's what Florida State's got this dude listed as. And he's not like a pseudo tight end. Like we're playing outside wide receiver here for Johnny Wilson. Um, the I, Something that I also learned while I was researching this, Florida State has not had a 400-yard receiver in a season since Tamori and Terry in 2019. 400? 400. 400? I, I, th- this is what I read a 400 yard. I, I mean, I kind of believe it. I mean, <laughs> the program has not been good. It that is good. though, but that's nuts. Bro, that's like years. two games for Jackson Smith and Jigba. <laughs> I mean, right, now what? I got to look this up. Now that's, I got to, now I got to, now I got to make this year. Now I got to make sure you're making three, me make qu- sure. three quarters for Jordan Addison with Lincoln Riley. Okay. All right. 2021. Sure enough. 382 receiving yards. Oh, no. Ontario Wilson was number one there. 2020, abbreviated COVID season. Sure enough, not a 400-yard receiver. What an insane, what an insane stat that is. So Dude, um, nuts. Ho- hopefully Johnny Wilson can uh, can get them to that level. He was yeah. really impressive, man. I, w- I was really impressed with how he was able to play against Louisville. Um, it was a two-quarterback game. For Florida State, Jordan Travis is the guy that everybody's been very excited about, but he got hurt in that game. Tay Roadmaker was the guy who came in. And it just seemed like no matter who was throwing in the ball, really, Johnny Wilson was going to be a star in that game. Uh, He had the fifth highest receiving grade in the country this past week, 91.9 average. And his threat percentage, which if you'll hear us talk about that on this show, that's a PFF stat where when you are on the field, as a receiver, when you are on the field and you are running a route, when you have a receiving snap, how often do they target you in the offense? Wilson had a 40.9% threat percentage. If you have 30, that's really impressive. I was going to say 30 is the number we use for NFL fantasy to be like, whoa. Right, like this whoa. guy's getting volume. Yeah. And and Wilson had 409 They went to this guy as often as they possibly could, and he absolutely delivered. When it comes to things beyond the stats, uh, beyond the analytics, I think that he moves really well for a big band. Now, 
six foot six, 235 pounds. He's not Calvin Johnson. So as you would expect, he's not going to be a master of separation. That's just not going to be his game. But I really like the wide base that he has when he's in his stance at the line of scrimmage, how there's no wasted steps, how he is blasting off that back foot the second the ball is hiked. He is getting into top speed very quickly for a player of his size. And I also like the fact that he can flip the hips pretty fast. You know, mm. when he's putting his foot in the ground and he's turning a go round to a post and he's trying to fool that defender, man, he does it. He sells it with the shoulders. He goes, okay, I'm going to the outside. Just kidding. I'm putting my foot in the ground. Boom. Now I'm going over the middle of the field. He does that well. And there's just not a lot of players who have that size of a frame who I think are able to sell their routes that it seems like the way Johnny Wilson can, or at least the way that he did against Louisville. So this is somebody that I'm going to have my eye on a lot going through this season because already has got the unique size, right? You already check that box and you go, okay, this guy's very interesting, but I feel as though the way he moves, how explosive he was, I wouldn't say twitched up. I don't, I wouldn't say that he's a twitched up player, but he is still explosive, I think. And, and so this is somebody I'm going to be watching as an outside receiver. I want to see how he can do in contested catch situations because he didn't have a ton of those against Louisville. And it's obvious that his bread and butter not just in college football, but in the NFL, when guys get bigger, faster, stronger that he goes up against, he's going to have to become a contested catch guy. So that's what I'm yeah. going to be looking for looking, moving forward with Wilson. But really cool to watch his film this past weekend to see all the success he had um, at his size. The way you describe him and looking at his size profile, it, the closest player I can think of is Chase Claypool. Like that's the closest I can think of. A lot, a lot of guys carry that kind of weight and size at the wide receiver position. Right. Right. And Claypool is an alien, right? I mean, like Claypool. Yeah, if oh you God. go, if you go look up Clay, Chase Claypool's mock draftable chart, it is pretty insane how well yeah. this guy tested. I don't know if Wilson's that caliber of an athlete. Okay. But ex- but. Man, now, all right, let me look up Chase Claypool. Hold on. Chase Claypool, mock draftable. Because I want to be reminded of what, dude, this is insane. Uh, four, 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 two, 40-yard dash. I don't think Wilson's that fast. 40-inch vertical jump. That's really impressive. 126-inch broad jump. Also very, very impressive. At six foot four, 238 pounds. So Travis, I guess, has a couple more inches on him. He's about six foot six. So weight's probably about the same that 235 yeah. level so i mean we'll see man if he tests like claypool then, then we're talking about a really impressive player would not i'm not entirely sold that he's that caliber of an athlete yet not many are that, that size, is a yeah. decent thing to keep in the back of your your mind as you watch wilson this year so i like the chase claypool call out at least even if we're not fully committing to the chase claypool comp yet now, whenever you describe a player, you know, especially when you, you go, you really went in depth there, which is great. I always, I always try to act like they would in a draft meeting that you've been on the road, you've gone to his games. I, I have, I haven't watched enough of him that I would know that to paint the picture. Mm-hmm. That's a sign of a good, of good scouting. When the person you are, you know, for those listening at home, whether you're younger and you want to get into scouting or you just like the, the pullback of the curtain, the sign of good scouting, which is an example really well done by you, is that the the audience can paint the picture in their head of the player you're describing. And to me, that was the player that came to mind. Uh, and it's also hard, but how many wide receivers in the league are 6'6 and carry 235 around? Right. Right? There's just not a lot right. of guys not that many. do. But uh, that I, that's one thing I like about this exercise being so early in the season is that I'm going to bring guys to the table that you haven't watched. You're going to yep. bring guys to the table that I haven't watched. And you know, you and I haven't really had the luxury of doing that a lot over our careers. We've we've done this solo so often that it's um, 
it, it makes it a lot of fun. So yeah, my we next, always, yeah, I was just going to say, we always want to try to make, you know, I'm, I'm texting Connor yesterday and today yeah. saying like, Hey, I'm watching these guys. Connor's yes. like, I'm watching these guys. Cause for as much as we can probably come up with the same number of players, right? We're all watching college football. We want to give you guys as many as, as many new names as, as we can give you on these pods, because, uh, that's what it's all about, right? We're trying to build the database of guys that are going to be in the draft pool in 2023. So didn't mean to cut you off. We got, who no, got? no, no, you're good. You're good. Um, I, no, there's, I, I kind of have a trend going like one guy I bring to this show. We've, we've never talked about totally random. The other guy might be somebody that we're watching closely. And then the other guy might be someone that like people forgot about, or is an older day three prospect. So number two for me, I think Franklin's a guy that a lot of people will not be familiar with. Number two for me is somebody people know very well. And that's BJ Ojolari, the edge from LSU. And okay. I mean, for me, I have to come clean right now, and I'm happy to do this before October hits. Uh, I didn't have him in my top five edges when we did that over the summer, and I just think that was a massive mistake. I I watch him play, and he, he's got everything you could ask for as an edge rusher. Sure, the consistency game by game might not be perfect yet, but the film he put out against Mississippi State this weekend, we'll start with the numbers first. He had two sacks, three more quarterback hits. He had six total pressures, but... Trevor, they moved him all along the defensive line as a stand-up rusher. He won on an inside rush with a, you know, he kind of countered in, I believe, in the A-gap with a swim move and finished for the sack. And the rusher next to him that rushed wide did a really good job forcing the quarterback to step up. And Ojolari won so fast that when the quarterback stepped up, he stepped up right into a clean sack. Now, what I really liked was his ability then as a wide rusher on the outside to dip and bend with burst. There was a couple times where the offensive tackle could not get their hands on him with his ability to dip, turn the corner, um, and close in on the pocket. And he had a couple quarterback hits that were, you know, effective quarterback hits in a sense of the quarterback felt him coming and dumped it down to the running back. And, and dumped it down even with the linebacker on the running back. He just had to get rid of the ball or else he would have took a sack. Ojolari has shown that number one, he's wearing number 18 at LSU. Like I, mm-hmm. that's, that's a really good sign. Number two, obviously there's NFL bloodlines. We know all about disease. Number three, he can just flat out play. I think he's actually a more creative rusher than his brother was at Georgia. I think that he really knows how to win inside, outside with speed, with power, finesse rusher, you know, strength. I, I'm, I really love watching him play because every single snap, it feels like he's, he's got juice. He really sets up offensive linemen and, and keeps them guessing. And I think that I regret not having him as a top five edge this summer because there's just no way he doesn't finish in this class as a top five edge. Man, that's high praise. Yeah, he's that's high praise there for him. But I, I, I love to hear it, man. I, I love to hear it. I wasn't, I just wasn't super impressed with him. I felt like he had a speed component to his game when we watched this summer, but I didn't think he had like overall game. So I got to watch, man. I ha- I'm going to yeah, be honest. Yeah, much improved. have not watched a ton of LSU this year outside of, oh, who they play in that first game that, that Brian Kelly had the embarrassing Oh, when, when Booty didn't, Booty didn't do like No, do I think anything. it's Booty. I think it's Booty now. I think, booty. It's, I think it's Booty. Florida State. They played Florida State, right? Wasn't it? Yes. Florida State versus when, LSU. When, when Jared Verst went Oh, Florida yeah, State. absolutely went off. That game? So, yeah. Hey, I mean, maybe we'll look back on that game and be like, hey, these are two edge rushers that were featured in this game that we weren't even paying enough attention to at the time. So I love that you're giving Ojolari the shout-out. I feel like the ability has always been there for him. There's been a lot of people who are who have been trying to make Ojolari a thing. People were not happy after that edge rusher show we did. 
What that he wasn't in there? That he wasn't, you know. I just again, like I, I just didn't, I just didn't think he put it all out on tape yet. I just didn't. Think I, I didn't think his 2021 season was was that impressive. And, I didn't either. And I, you know, even against Florida State, he was he was good, but against Mississippi State, turn that on when you can because he was great. Okay. He, he took he took over the game. He took over the game, and that's what I want to see from an edge in the SEC. Okay, love to hear it. I'll give you my second guy uh, right after I talk to you about our friends over at DraftKings. The NFL action is in full swing here at DraftKings, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. We're talking touchdowns, we're talking big plays, and now even bigger wins. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If that's not enough, everyone can now boost their winnings with DraftKings. Step up, same game parlays. Right now, for every leg that you add, you can boost your winnings up to 100% with payouts as bigger than ever. Why well, bet on football anywhere else? To make things even sweeter, you could throw down on the step-up same-game parlays once per game all season long. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code PFF to get $200 free in bets if your team wins when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's co- promo code PFF, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply see show notes for details our newest or our latest uh, partner in this show symbol is also revolutionizing the world of sports betting and fan engagement by making sports fandom profitable symbol was a PFS sponsor last year now they're back for this football season we are very glad they are here on this podcast symbol lets you trade pro and college teams like stocks and even earn cash dividend payouts when your team's win symbol took the thrill of sports betting and combined it with the profitability of the stock market to give you a platform where fortune favors the fan download the symbol mobile app for ios by searching s-i-m-b-u-l-l in the app store and use the promo code nflse to specifically help out this podcast we would love you forever and to receive a free team stock valued up to 150 dollars upon signing up pff teams even getting into the action i said that i already bought the washington commander stock i bought the eagle stock we got monday night football coming up tonight hopefully that stock goes up there every thursday episode of the pod uh connor and i diversify our portfolios a little bit so if you guys way to put it that's how i say it that's how i gotta say every every thursday we're gonna diversify the portfolio you guys go download the app um use that promo code nflse get in on it with us and when we do the, the thursday live show we love to interact with you in the chat about it see how much money you guys are making Download the app, create a free account, enter the promo code NFLSE, get that free stock valued up to $150, and compete against the NFL Stock Exchange podcast this season on Symbol. All right, my next guy I want to bring to the table. Rasheed Rice. I'm going to stick with receivers. I'll stick with receivers here. The SMU wide receiver. Senior, all right? Veteran. Knows the game. Ready to dominate. And boy, did he come out of the gate hot this season. Six foot two, 200 pounds. Outside wide receiver, where's number 11? Beautiful wide receiver number, I must say. Fantastic. Oh, so clean. Last three games, Connor, eight catches, buck 66 and a touchdown. Nine catches, 132 yards and two touchdowns. And then this past week, 11 catches, 193 yards. Didn't catch a touchdown, but holy cow, were they incredible. 90.3 pass catching grades so far this season through three games for Rasheed Rice incredible contested catchability man i mean this dude knows how to set up corners knows how to get even with him and when that ball is up in the air he has got the ability to track it he's got the ability to concentrate on it he's got the strong hands to bring it down 
and corral that catch. He is good. He is so good, I think, on the outside on a vertical plane. So when he's threatening vertically, either a comeback or a post or a go route or whatever it is, just throw up the ball to this guy, and it feels like he is going to reward you. He also pretty nice when he's attacking soft spots in the zones. You know, he'll do these deep over routes, these dig routes where he's coming across the line of scrimmage, but he's doing so at the right tempo. And I think that really shows the savviness and the awareness that he has as a senior, as an upperclassman, because look, you know, we all love the underclassmen guys, right? The guys that we can't wait to get their hands on because their raw athletic ability, the ceilings that they have just show out as young players. Those are the guys that often get talked about as headliners of a draft class. But really the meat and cheese, the bones, if you will, of draft classes often comes with the upperclassmen. Are there any upperclassmen who, talent-wise, could have maybe declared the year before, but they just wanted to refine their game, round out their game a little bit, and now they're becoming really great prospects. I feel like that's the case with Rasheed, man. You, you just throw him the ball, and I feel like he is a guaranteed catch for you. That's what it seems like it is at SMU this year. He feels like, man... He feels a little A.J. Brown like with how powerful he plays as a wide receiver. I don't want to go on that full comp yet, but as I was watching him, I was like, dude, this dude, yeah. It feels like he's a bully when that ball is in the air. He comes down with it, plays with a lot of strength. So really enjoyed getting to watch Rasheed Rice. We've got him very highly graded over at PFF. They're going to him early, often, and always, and he continues to deliver for him. So really like the confidence he's playing with. And he is showing that he, he feels like he's open even when he's not. And that's because he's coming down with that ball more often than not. So it's, it's, it, I love to see the reliable hands from him. Now I love to see the rounded out game of how he is attacking the field, how he is attacking coverages. You could just see that that experience is right there for him. So a lot of combinations of a lot of really great skills for Rasheed Rice. And I uh, wanted to definitely shout him out here three weeks in. He's playing well. It's fun when you start to dive into the different receivers of a draft class because it, it's just such a – it's always obviously one of the deeper groups year after year. You can find starters or role players on day two. And, and it's fun when we get to this show and we talk about guys like him, you know, I brought up Franklin, you know, just there's so many different players that it's, it's the group that every year, Trevor, I find myself, it takes the longest to get through because these guys are really productive. They're going to systems that they throw the ball all over the place and you got to dissect a, you know, their traits and see how that production translates and how do you stack up, you know, you might have 30 wide receivers drafted in a year. How do you stack them all? And it's, I think it's something that's become a really, with how pass happy the NFL is, I think it's a trickle effect of something that's really fun during the draft draft process. I agree. I agree, man. And there's so many different shapes and sizes of wide receivers, you know, if you love watching slot receivers you're gonna find plenty that you're gonna get to evaluate if you love watching those big giant contested catch dudes on the outside there's gonna be plenty of those that are coming through there's just such a diversification of wide receiver weapons that we have in today's football which makes evaluating wide receivers i think a lot of fun no matter which kind you like to watch the most you're gonna have a lot of examples of that in a single draft class and how about freaking smu they just keep doing this over and over again yeah we're always watching wide receivers from SMU. So, you know, think of Cortland Sutton and on and on and on from there. It's it's cool to hear about Rasheed Rice. And they know how to find those guys that could be physical. It feels like they always have a track guy as well. Uh, a school that we're consistently looking at NFL talent at the position. All right, my last stock up before one stock down. Man, I feel like I've been watching him at the college level for a long time. Had the injury bump. And he just, he looked so, so good against Colorado this week. And I don't care that he's 24 years old as a prospect. If you study into this guy's road, 
he can play. He's and he can do a lot of things, a lot of different things, really well. It's it's Mo Ibrahim. Oh, Minnesota. okay, from Minnesota. Yeah. You know, I felt like he's somebody that could have easily been in the draft two years ago. We all know he had he's had a season-ending injury before. He looked so good against Colorado. 23 carries, 202 yards, three rushing touchdowns, had 12 first downs, and four six missed tackles. What I love about Mo is he's so shifty as soon as he gets the ball if somebody beats their man to the line of scrimmage. But he also, at the second level of the field when he gets downhill, runs with so much violent power. And there was one play, I believe it was like a third and 20 or something, where they hand him the ball. And when he got outside, he balanced himself along the sideline for about 10 yards. So, Ibrahim is somebody that any draft fan, any college football fan, especially in the Big Ten, it's a name they're very, very familiar with. But he kind of fell off the planet because of the injury and the fact that he's been in school for a while. The fact that he turned 24 last week, you know, September 8th is his birthday. Mm -hmm. Um, But, man, if we're going to get into the age game, nobody drafts running backs with the thought of paying them and keeping them for eight years. Right. You draft a running back to get four great years out of him right away. This dude is pro ready. He's got good vision. He breaks tackles. I'm such a fan, and I know he's not going in the first three rounds probably because of the age, because of the history, but he's somebody that we're going to blink and we're going to look and go, man, he was good in college for a long time, and he has all the traits to be a good NFL rusher, and I just like that he understands he can win with power or he can win because he's got good feet. He's got very, very sharp feet, and I think he can execute in his own scheme, but I think he's got the downhill ability to be in a gap scheme, so... Mo Ibrahim, I just haven't seen anybody in the draft world seem to care about him anymore, and I understand that we get bored of players when they hang around for a long time. But Trevor, he is really, really good, and I thought against Colorado, and I know it's Colorado, that's the best I've seen him look in a very long time. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's just t- it's obviously tough for him because you would have said, what's the what's the thing holding him back? It's probably top tier athletic ability, top tier explosiveness, nope. yeah, top not breakaway speed, speed. yeah, right, exactly, that yep. kinds of stuff. And then the injury that he has is an Achilles injury, right? And exactly, he, running back de- death blow. Tough. We've talked about that on this podcast. It's some injuries are easier to stomach at certain positions than others it's really hard yes. to be a skilled position player a stop and start player uh guy who demands explosiveness in that way with an achilles injury and that's really hard but i mean look I, when you look at the good with ibrahim 12 games in a row that he has rushed for over 100 yards mo has not mo has not had less than 100 yards rushing in a game that he has played since 2019 Connor. that's all he does that's since 2019 Last game of the 2019 season, they played against Auburn in that bowl game, had 100 yards rushing. He played one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games in 2020, abbreviated season, all over 100 yards rushing. Against Ohio State, he had 30 carries, 163 yards, and two touchdowns before he got hurt in the third quarter. Okay, the third quarter. Man, had 30 carries. And this this year so far, 21 carries, 132 yards, 23 carries, 130 yards, 23 carries, 202 yards. The man's just been producing. What do people want from him? He's going to be older. He's got the Achilles injury. Um, and there's going to be questions about top-tier athleticism. He's my day three running back. I'll say I, it right now. I was going to say, I, I think that that's probably going to push him to a day three. Back. Oh, yeah, sure. But sure. dude's hella productive, man. He's going to get a chance on an NFL team. There's no doubt about it. Um, 
And really, I think there's an act to that. The way that he sees the field, the way that he constantly produces. Year in, year out. The offensive line changes around him, but some things stay the same. And it's that uh, Ibrahim's going to rush for over 100 yards. All right, I want to I want to flip over to the defensive side of the football. I've got two that I want to shout out here on defense. Um, one is Michael Jones, linebacker from Syracuse. I don't know. Have you watched him at all? You watched Michael Jones? You I watched a lot of Syracuse lately. You can't miss him because yeah, he's wearing number three. Say. He's the guy with a with a with an armband. Oh, I've seen inch. plenty of him. You yes, he, he wears nine armbands per arm. So he's the guy in the middle. He's a redshirt junior, six foot one, two hundred twenty five pounds. Three year starter here for this Syracuse team. He's a team captain. Was a first team All ACC player last year. Pro Football Focus also had him in their first team All ACC as well. The dude's all over the field. He is a downhill machine. If he, Whatever is in front of him, this dude is flying to it. 92.6 pass rush grade this season, and My he's not goodness. an outside linebacker. He's not. This is not like an edge player. He's coming up the middle. These are like A-gap blitzes, delayed blitzes, like all of that kinds of stuff. Sometimes he's coming in on stunts. You know, come, I guess he has come around the edge on occasion. I've seen him do it, but... He is just attacking the pocket from a true off-ball linebacker spot, and he's grading really well doing it. If you keep things in front of him, man, he's fun. He knows how to rip off blocks. He knows how to take on blocks when it's his responsibility and run fits and run defense. He pursues to the sideline. He's got that kind of speed. Coverage, he's not as comfortable with it. You clearly see that when he gets to move towards the line of scrimmage, how aggressive he is because of how confident he is in his abilities, his strength, his speed, his technique, his everything. He does that at a very, very high level. The coverage, especially in zone when he's backpedaling, he's guessing a little bit. You know, He's trying to exactly get a feel for what's around him and where he needs to be and where he needs to squeeze, what zones he needs to occupy, how he's watching the quarterback size. But I will say, I watched a couple of reps too where he was lined up against tight ends that were coming off the line of scrimmage from an inline position, trying to go up the seam. He was able to keep up with him well in man coverage because I think that he has that athletic ability. So it's a little bit of a work in progress when it comes to the most valuable part of playing linebacker for Michael Jones. But man, I just love what kind of a downhill player this guy is. Even if the coverage doesn't get better for the rest of the year, he's okay enough at it to where... We could have ourselves a really nice mid-round linebacker, maybe even better, depending on how productive he can be this year. Because so far, he's really killing it. I, I like Michael Jones a lot. He's a player who brings good athleticism for, to the position. And he's a player that when he is attacking the pocket, he really does feel like that extra fifth rusher, even if he has a, even if he's got an interior offensive lineman in front of him, man. He knows how to get by him, knows the pass rush moves, keeps the hands moving, knows how to swipe, knows how to get around him. And that's... Uh, that's very valuable. I think that it's valuable even without the coverage point right now. And this was a big land for Syracuse getting him from IMG Academy. I mean, he, he was a legitimate recruit coming out of Florida. Obviously, a tough place for Syracuse to compete in <laughs> recruiting-wise. Trevor, what's great, you know, what's really impressive to me, everything you said is is as a player is so great. And then the fact you layer in that he was a captain his third year with the program right so he played a lot he played a good amount his freshman year he appeared in all 12 of their games in 2019 and he was a team captain by his god you're right the COVID thing is just the way they list it Syracuse lists him as a sophomore twice like just as a sophomore twice sophomore 2020 2021 so technically his third year with the program that's how we'll say it team captain first team all ACC 
Um, and then now he's showing out this year, his fourth year with the program, like you said, and you cannot miss him with the 85 million armbands. <laughs> I think we can, I think we can improve on that. I think you, there's gotta be something else there, some kind of other aesthetic, but he is really good in Syracuse. Syracuse has, has NFL talent on both sides of the ball this year. We've talked about Garrett Williams a lot. We've talked about Sean Tucker a lot. A really good highlight for Michael Jones, who I believe, assuming he's going to, uh, you know, a fourth year graduate he'll be all-star game eligible which is really really big for a player like him and, and makes this process that much more fun so do you want to hit stock down or are you, i got one are, more you I got, got one, one more guy. i thought you had one more i yes. got one more guy um okay ojimo is how you say his name ojimo defensive lineman from texas i first noticed him i've seen him two weeks ago Yep. When Texas was really putting a hurting on Alabama's offensive lineman, making life yeah. absolute hell for Bryce Young. And Ojimo was one of those guys who was right in the thick of it. This is a fifth-year player. He's a redshirt senior. Uh, played in 38 career games at Texas. Got 25 starts. So a lot of experience. But you might say to yourself, okay, fifth year, big program like Texas. If he's, if he's good, why is he still there? Well, Texas hasn't been great. And I do think that a lot of that experience is actually showing up very well in Oshimo's game right now. Six foot three, 285 pounds. He's a bit of a tweener because they'll play him anywhere from a three technique defensive tackle to a five tech as an edge player. I actually, I mean, I certainly don't mind at the college level, him playing e any of those spots and anything in between the lineup as, as a four eye, if they go into tight formation. And I think that he has the awareness the experience and also the overall strength to be playing in a lot of different leverages and alignments along the offensive line. I think he's a really powerful player does not lose the point of attack. Often the very first play that I watched of him, once I kind of got in this morning and I was like, Hey, I want to get a couple of more uh, games of him in before I talk about him. He, they were going, I think it was UTSA was the game that I was watching this past game. They're going for a duo block against this guy and th the ball is snapped. The interior offensive lineman goes straight at him. It's the center and the guard, and Ojimo doesn't give them a single yard. Not a single yard. He fights and continues to hold that point of attack, and I was just like, whoa, this guy's got some strength. You sure this guy's only 285 pounds? Because that would be crazy. You know, he's one-on-one -on -one against these interior offensive linemen. I really like how aggressive he is with his club rip move. He gets straight to that. If he's coming around the edge, he loves, as you would expect from a power player, he likes to get his hands up in there to bull rush, use his leverage against you, and then also very quick to go to that that push-pull technique to really be able to get guys moving, get their backs arched, and then rip them through as they kind of get into the pocket and where the quarterback is. He's not a super twitched-up player, but I wouldn't say that he's not completely explosive i do think that he has some explosive traits to him but he's not going to be this guy that's crossing your face really quick and you know crossing you up and uh really bursting off the snap and bending around the edge no he's more of a power player but for as versatile as he is on texas defensive line if that weight is correct at 285 he is as strong as an ox at 285 and i love the way that he plays run defense even if he's not going to be this big speed power speed rusher love the power play that he has so ojimo wanted to shout him out guy along texas uh defensive line who i think is playing some really nice football and listen i'll tell you right now nfl coaches fall in love with guys like that they fall in love with guys that yeah. they can trust because of their weight and strength in there it you know as scouts and draft fans we always fall in love with the player that can 
you know, bending burst his way into 15 sacks. But obviously the hit rate on guys like that is so low. For coaches, they love the guy that on first and second down that could stick his butt right there, a hand in the dirt, and say, do not get moved anywhere. Let my linebackers behind you run around and make plays. So it's easy to overlook those guys. And then when they go in the fourth round, they rotate in for two years, and then they start for another six, and you blink and you go, God, those are the guys that I find all the time that are getting drafted on day three and have long careers. Really good depth player, I think, as a as a floor. I think that this guy could be a really nice depth player in the NFL. Okay, some maybe less of stock downs, maybe more of just updates on. Uh, yeah, it's on it's almost like a, a. It's unfortunate, but we do have to do this. Is we our goal of this show, especially the draft portion, is to you know really tell the story of every draft class, and you can't tell the story without the draft class without the guys with huge expectations that don't necessarily end up in that draft class. And I think that's kind of what today is. We each have one player to bring to that. Go ahead. All right you go away, first. huh? Yep. I, he was my safety three over summer. And, and unfortunately, Jalen Catalan's season is over. He, he had uh, yet another shoulder injury. He is having season-ending shoulder surgery. We love Jalen Catalan on this podcast. We were very, very honest in our summary valuations that injuries are what's holding him back from being a potential top 50 pick. And we thought if he bounced back and had a healthy season, you know, kind of reminds me of what Antoine Winfield went through early in his career. And then he had a great final season and he went in the second round. He really should have went in the first because he was a little undersized and had an injury history. He went in the second round and he's turned into a great NFL player. Unfortunately, Catalan's season has not gone that way. Now it's over really before it ever began. Uh, I am looking forward to him being back on the field next year where he will be a redshirt senior, and I hope that he could stay healthy. I hope that they get that shoulder right, and I hope that he can play his way into being you know, taken in the first three rounds of the 2024 NFL draft. I, Trevor, I would personally be very surprised if he gets the surgery, rehabs, and declares anyway. I, I don't think that... I don't like speaking to what makes sense for a guy's future, but I'm assuming Catalan will be back with Arkansas next year. Uh, we'll be back healthy and be looking forward to reestablish his stock. I, I have no idea what Catalan's going to do. One of the best defensive players in the country when he's healthy. Uh, I think he's an absolute impact him. player. You're right. You can't miss him. He's making an impact at all times. I think he's a game-changing safety. But the injury history, man, you brought it up before the podcast, before we started recording, like, we're getting Bob Sanders vibes now, you know, and obviously Bob did it a long time. Was it was and Bob's um, problems were also during his NFL career, like right, Catalan. We right. don't know if he's going to make it there yet. And yeah, that sucks yeah. for him because Catalan, we, we discussed this during summer scouting tore his ACL in high school, had a torn labrum when he got to Arkansas. I believe that first year that he played last year, he had a broken hand and a shoulder and soldier shoulder surgery that he had to have. And now he's having shoulder surgery again. So I don't know if all three of these surgeries are on one shoulder. Uh, I don't know if it's one or the other. But either way, any defensive position that is asking you to tackle as often as safety does and the play style of Jalen Catalan does, he's got three surgeries now. That sucks, man. And that, that sucks for him. And it, I'm not questioning his toughness. I'm not questioning no. how much pain he could play through. I'm not questioning any of that. What um what what sucks to kind of bring to reality is is how much more can your body take? 
even if Jalen Cat, that's why I don't know what he's going to do. I don't know what his decision is going to be because it's a good point. Even if he preserve himself for NFL money, right? Even if his mind point. tells himself, "I will play through anything." cut off my damn arm i'll play through yeah. it so i feel like the way the jalen catalan plays it feels like he would have that kind of response to something but eventually and unfortunately for some of these guys the body betrays you and it doesn't matter how yeah. much you want to play if you can't play and for for catalan i would love to see him come back next year i would love to see him have a fully fully healthy year because i think he's the first round talent but with this many surgeries now does he take the chance does he go get some money in the league? And does he say, okay, if I'm going to rehab and I'm going to play, I might as well be getting some money out of it. Hopefully have two healthy seasons in the NFL, three healthy seasons in the NFL. Maybe you can try to get a contract done early, right? And try to try to kickstart it that way. So I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm not a, I, I don't want to be a financial advisor or a life advisor for him. I, I just hope that we certainly get to see him on the field again because he's a lot of fun to watch. I agree. The reality is it's going to come down to what his medical records show. And because he, he's going to be going to the Jalen Catalan will be invited to the combine if he declares this year. And yes. that's how that's how talented he is. And because yes. NFL teams will want to do a medical check on him. And I mean, I'm no we don't play doctor on the show. We just read what we can. And I just his, play one on TV. Yeah, we just exactly. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it is what it is it's it's obvious they're gonna see stuff there that they they it makes them nervous they know that so i agree with you he has he has a decision to make where does he want to make it worse by you know going back and playing college ball where we're so used to saying for free yes there's the nil but brother if you're on an nfl roster collecting game checks it's a di it's a different ball game for 99 percent of these guys and and we'll stay on top of the story but unfortunately we are not going to get to talk about Jalen Catalan, the player, for these next couple months. Yeah, um, so I, I have two guys that I want to bring to the table. One I'm just going to mention, and then the other one is is actually a little bit of a stock down, something that I'm, I'm going to look at kind of as the year goes on here. The first one, we've talked about Arie Gilbert, the tight end at Georgia, three times now for this podcast episode. I'm pretty sure he's been in this uh, section of the episode now three weeks in a row. He didn't make the trip to South Carolina when Georgia played South Carolina. If you had, if you were holding out hope for Arie Gilbert to be something this year, he needed to not only make the trip to South Carolina, but you knew that Georgia was going to beat the tar out of him, and he needed to play. He needed to play in an SEC game and actually be yep. able to show something. He didn't even travel with the team. Um, he really should barely even be on NFL draft radars at this point. Maybe the second half of the season looks night and day completely yeah. to what we've seen to start, but as of right now he we we shouldn't be talking about him from an nfl draft perspective and that's obviously like coming from me who had him as tight end one you know i, sure. I bet on a lot of the ceiling that he had and the potential that he had and i was hoping that he'd get to georgia and boy they couldn't get as many they couldn't have too many tight ends on the field because of how diverse that offensive skill set was there for that room but he just he's not playing enough it sure seems like the best course of action for him is the 2024 nfl draft at the very least so i wanted to bring him up there the, uh, the other player that I think is a little bit of a stock down, I'm going to go with Tyler Van Dyke, the quarterback mm. from Miami. Uh, you know, Van Dyke, and it's it's nothing to what his overall ceiling and ability could be. Van Dyke was an absolute gunslinger last year in the last, what was it, six or seven games for Miami. Put on a show, led the ACC in passing in yeah, that time impressive. frame. But there was a lot of unorthodox 
I'll just say technique in how he was going about playing quarterback. The feet weren't always set. The hips were open. Sometimes the shoulders weren't pointed where they needed to go, but heck Van Dyke was letting his sling because nobody else in Miami was going to let his sling. And that's what they needed to get some wins to close out the year. They go to Texas A&M and they're playing Texas A&M this past weekend. And I think those accuracy concerns, those consistency concerns really reared its ugly head. Now I know some people are going to say, Oh, it's a Mario Cristobal offense. Look what he did to Justin Herbert. He's doing the same thing to Tyler Van Dyke. I don't know the too deep of the details there. So I still need to kind of analyze that situation as a whole with coaching involved. But I'll tell you from a throw by throw basis, Tyler Van Dyke individually needs to get a lot better. I agree. A lot more consistent, man. When he had he had a forty eight point six percent completion percentage, just a raw completion percentage. Yep. And only a sixty three point two adjusted completion percentage. Yeah, it's not going to do it. Passing grade this past week, and you know, if some of you were looking for, okay, well, like, what's the goal? Sixty percent passing. It's not too bad. Adjusted. If you have an adjusted completion percentage, which goes into things that are kind of outside your control, mainly drops from the wide receiver yep. on catchable passes. Most quarterbacks want to be around 75%. You want three, four seer passes. If they are, you just want, you want three, four, at least three, four seer passes to be going especially exactly where they need to be. Yes, especially in college. For a guy that, I, admittedly, I was excited about his touch and anticipation and And ability. he has it, right? I, I watched right? that, that Texas That was the game, calling card. And there were a couple of throws that were really nice. Yeah. The issue with Van Dyke is they're not consistent. He doesn't have the mechanics. He doesn't have the discipline. He doesn't have, I don't think, the footwork right now and just the operating That's procedure of how yep. he throws the football to where he knows that ball is going exactly where it needs to go. If he, if, if him and his wide receivers are running a, a certain route combination, 10 times out of 10, he knows how to put it exactly where it needs to be on rhythm right to the wide receiver. And I just don't think we get that. We just don't have enough consistency with him right now. So still a high ceiling for Van Dyke. He's still a fun quarterback to watch, but in terms of an NFL prospect, the accuracy has got to be better with him during the, uh, the rest of the season. If we're going to consider him one of those top prospects in this class. I'm with you. When you texted me his name, I, w I watched his throws this week right away because you know, it's, He's a, he's a big name in this class, right? He's, you know, we talk about Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud, and then very often, if we don't do it, somebody will remind us to. You know, you have Anthony Richardson, Will Levis, Tyler Van Dyke, Tanner McKee, like these guys that are, you know, a bit raw and we want to see more of that are trying to fight to go in the first round. And a lot of them have had their struggles. And with Van Dyke, you know, I saw the two turnover-worthy plays where it's just, He's kind of airing it out into coverage, really dangerous throws that A&M defenders weren't able to secure the ball, but there's a lot of defenders in the country that would on those throws. So he could have easily walked away with this game with an interception or two, no passing touchdowns. And I agree, Trevor, resetting his feet in the pocket was a problem in this game that led to inaccuracies and late footballs. And, you know, we, we believe he could bounce back, but this was a performance where you could kind of see all of the flaws in his game that need to be worked on. They were all very evident in this one. Hey, Van Dyke was a lot of fun last year because he felt like a backyard quarterback that just came in and, and won Miami some games, right? And it was just like, damn, this no dude pressure, is, is getting the ball like... deep down the field. Right, exactly, exactly. Yeah. And everything looks tight now. This year, he's just he's he's still, he's a little bit too much of an unorthodox quarterback. And you just got to hone it in a little bit. We got to get the most out of that talent. So uh, there you go. That's a little bit of a, I'll say stock update. We don't have to say stock down on some of these guys. Yeah, we don't have to be. Yeah, things to watch. It. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to put it. That's a very politically correct way to put it. I appreciate that. Uh, before a very we get friendly out of here, NFL stock exchange. <laughs> before we get out of here, no 
House Advantage is changing the game by offering the most dynamic fantasy sports platform available today. Play in pick'em contests versus other people for a shot at winning 250K plus cash prizes. Download the app. Uh, That's no house advantage. Choose a contest, select player props, earn points for correct picks, and climb the leaderboards for your shot to win big money every single day. You can test your skills versus the house and 20 times your entry if you hit all your picks. Bet up to five player prop over-unders or individual player matchups across each major sporting league that includes the NFL, NBA, MLB, PGA, MMA, even NASCAR. Sign up now with the promo code STOCK, again, to help with this podcast. We would love you forever. At nohouseadvantage.com or download the app on app stores to get a first deposit match up to $25. Make sure you check out No House Advantage today and experience daily fantasy sports redefined because it's not just how you play, but also where you play. You won't want to miss out on this. Two podcast episodes in the books now this week. We're flying, dude. Flying. Flying high. This is this isn't even our day jobs. Our full time Trevor's got a show every morning that he never pumps up on here. I've been running around. This is uh and you know what? We're just we're just cruising. Three a week. Thursday live. Thursday we got the pregame show. If you have mm-hmm. not watched the pregame show with us, I know some of you have families, dinner, work, whatever you have to do. Try to make an effort. Screw your uh, family. Yeah, forget them. Uh, yeah, we're, your, the we're your family. We're, we're your, your family. family. We're, all, we're always going to be here for you. 6.45 Eastern time uh, at night, of course, pregame. And we're not just talking about the Thursday night game. We're previewing the weekend. We have a lot yep. of fun. We do mailbag questions. So jump in on that. Get in the chat. It's it's been really it's been a unique show for us that we're really enjoying. Thursdays are awesome, man. Ending ending the show with like thirty minutes of mailbag questions, <laughs> never knowing what questions people are gonna ask it's is insanity. It's it's my favorite way to end this podcast for the week and get us ready for the weekend. Like Connor said, if you haven't hung out with us yet on Thursday night, it's on PFF's YouTube. We do a live. Of course, it you could still watch it afterwards, just like you watch these episodes. You can still listen to them on podcast. But join the live chat, man. It's a lot of fun. We're having a good time. Get in on the show with some ask me anything questions i am trevor sikuma that is connor rogers thank you guys for so much for listening to the nfl stock exchange podcast we will see you in the chat on thursday see you guys then